0: So I'm going to, I'm going to, I couldn't pick what section to read, so I'm just going to read the chapter because it's kind of a, a single unit here. So Genesis 49, verse 1 says, And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together, that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Gather yourselves together and hear, you sons of Jacob, and hearken unto Israel, your father. Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. Unstable as water, thou shalt not excel because thou wentest up to thy father's bed, thou defilest, thou it. He went up to my couch. Simeon and Levi our brethren, instruments of cruelty are in their habitations. O my soul, come not thou into their secret into their assembly, mine honour, be not thou united. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they digged down a wall. Cursed be their anger, for it was fierce, and their wrath, for it was cruel. And I will divide them in Jacob, and scatter them in Israel. Judah, thou art he whom thine brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies, Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he couched as a lion, and as an old lion, who shall rouse him, who shall rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be, binding his foal unto the vine, and his ass's colt under the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine, and his clothes in the blood of grapes. He shall be red with wine, and his teeth white with milk. Zebulun shall dwell at the haven of the sea, and he shall be for an haven of ships, and his border shall be on Zidon. Issachar is a strong ass, couching between two burdens, and he saw that rest was good, and the land that it was pleasant, and bowed his shoulder to bear, and became a servant unto tribute. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent by the way, an adder in the path that biteth the horse heels, so that his rider shall fall backward. I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. Gad, a troop, shall overcome him but he shall overcome at the last. Ode of Asher his bread shall be fat, and he shall yield royal dainties. Naphtali is in hind let loose, he giveth goodly words. Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by the well, whose branches run over the wall. The archers have sorely grieved him, and shot at him, and hated him, but his bow abode in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Even by the God of thy father, who shall help thee, and by the Almighty, who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under, blessings of the breasts and of the womb, the blessings of thy father have prevailed above the blessings of my prog progenitors, unto the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph, and on the crown of the head of him that was separate from his brethren. Benjamin shall raven as a wolf. In the morning he shall devour the prey, and at night he shall divide the spoil. All these are the twelve tribes of Israel, and this is it that their father spake unto them and blessed them, every one according to his blessing he blessed them. And he charged them and said unto them, I am to be gathered unto my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field of Ephron the Hittite. For a possession of a burying place. There they buried Abraham and Sarah his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah his wife. And there I buried Leah. The purchase of the field and of the cave that is therein was from the children of Hath. And when Jacob had made an end of commanding his sons, he gathered up his feet into the bed and yielded up the ghost and was gathered unto his people. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, I just ask that you would uh, just be a help to me uh, this morning uh, as I'm speaking, Lord. I just pray for your your mind to be in me, um, that the words that I speak would be true words, that they would be honoring to you, and that they would be a help to those here this morning, Lord. So again, we just commit this time to you. And we ask that you would guide and, and help and strengthen and just work through Things that are said and done this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You read that chapter. I was just looking for something regarding fathers, and I I searched through all kinds of different things, looking for for what I could read as an opening <laughs> passage. And I'm sure there's better things, more exciting things than this account of him, Jacob. Literally on his deathbed. He finishes talking and says like he's sitting there, pulls up his feet into the bed, and just dies right then and there. It's like what a what a day. But he's got he's got his twelve sons. And if you realize what's going on or what has gone on, it's not actually his twelve sons, because Joseph is not what's recognized there, but Joseph's two sons. And anyway, that's... But uh, we see this prophecy given to each son. And some of the things that he has to say to some of his sons are not very nice things. (laughs) His firstborn, he starts off as like, you're my strength and you're, you're all this. But... Man, what a mess. (laughs) And you just see that as he goes through each of these 12. And he has some positive things to say and he has some negative things to say about each one of these these boys. And if you know the story of Jacob, Jacob wasn't exactly an ideal example throughout his life in many different areas. These are just people. (laughs) This is... We need to realize, like, God called Abraham and made this promise to Abraham. I'm going to make of you a people, a great nation, and all this. And that promise was passed to Isaac and to Jacob. And it was reaffirmed in Jacob, and he would, God named him Israel. And that's the name that stuck for this great people that God called by his name. Man, would you have picked Jacob? <laughs> when you read Jacob's life, would you have picked him as the people you're going to call out as God's people? Like, this guy had a bit of a mess of a life. <laughs> and yet, and you look at the 12 tribes that are to represent him, and this is description isn't overwhelmingly positive. <laughs> God used people like you and me throughout history for his purpose and to, to instruct and guide the world into knowing who God is. It's just incredible to when you start to really look at the details of these lives that, that God would use normal, everyday, fallen, sinful people with all of our flaws, and he used us. God used Jacob with these 12 sons to, to guide them and raise them and to, to direct them in the way they should go and it didn't all work out perfectly but he tried, he did his best and God blessed much of that and you look at Judah in particular God's blessing that went on to Judah and even in that description and I don't know what the average scholar has to say about that description of Judah, but it sure looks like it's pointing to Christ, doesn't it? <laughs> There's a lot of connection to that. It's like a prophetic pointing us to Christ on the cross. And so God uses these people, these faulty people and blesses them. And we're fathers, many of us. Some of us are fathers. We've all had a father. And if we look at our fathers and we look at our lives as fathers, we, <laughs> we're these <laughs> people full of faults and problems. Right? We fail in the area of being a good father. In a convers- well, in conversation, I guess it was around Mother's Day, um, some other pastor was talking about, I remember exactly how he said it, but Mother's Day, was this, it's this time where we, we lift mothers up and praise them for all the all the good that mothers do. And Father's Day is this day where we criticize the fathers and we can really point at them and all the faults and how you need to do better. I don't know if that's really the right way to go about this, <laughs> Yes, we do need that if, we're, if we need that push, but I think we, we tend to recognize the importance of mothers and we fail to recognize the importance of fathers. And we just criticize the fathers for where we fail. We all fail. Our mothers have as many faults as, as their fathers do. Um, and I think we just need to be encouraged as fathers of what the importance of our role is in life I looked a little bit at um, just the statistics again of our world and I was actually surprised at how low the number is but it said 35% of children and this is the states again of course. 35% of children under 18 live in a single parent home. About 25% not 25% of the 35, but 25% of children in the U.S. live just with their mother. And some of these studies go on to look at what the effect of that is. What's the effect of raising children without a father? It's terrifying. When you look at the statistics, the actual numbers, and the things that go on in people's lives, you're, there's some specific numbers and there's some generalities here, but you're more likely, if in a fatherless home, the children are more likely to end up as adults in poverty. But in connection with that, it says 90% of runaway children have an absent father. 90% of runaways don't have a father at home and that leads down that road of poverty. You're more likely to drop out of school, and you're more likely to have poor academic performance if you don't have a father at home. You're more likely to have behavioral problems. You're more likely to become addicted to drugs. You're more likely to have a child at a wedlock. You're more likely to end up in prison. It says 85% of youth that are in prison don't have a father at home, that's significant. 85% of youth that end up in prison do not have a father at home. I think that in itself speaks to the importance of fatherhood and being a father in the home. Not even a good father, just being a father in the home is important. This next one is surprising um, I don't know that anybody fully understands it, but it says that children with the th- without a father in the home are more prone to physical health problems. And they included things like chronic pain, asthma, headaches, and stomach aches. You imagine, just not having your father in your house causes you to have more physical <laughs> problems. It's interesting you're more likely to die as a child if you're without a father, and you would live an average of four less years over the lifespan. Your life expectancy is four years less than the average. Some strange statistics in there, right? But those are the things that our world, like just the world looking at families and homes and just looking at what happens in people's lives these are the things that they see and it's just by the absence of a father we're not talking about good fathers versus poor fathers and you know all the different factors that go in at home but it's just a matter of if, if the father isn't there there's a lot of problems come up and I think we can understand that Jen's been working um at this greenhouse and theres it's mostly, it's all women, right, other than the boss and almost all of these women have terrible life stories, they all hate men, not they all, most, a bunch of them, they completely hate men because their father was absent for the most part or was a very poor father, their experience with a father is poor and as a consequence of that, their experience with men in general, in relationships with men, has been terrible. <laughs> it's a factor of their father. And so what's the importance of a father? And I think one of the most important things about a father, our main job as a father, is to teach our children what a father ought to be, what a man ought to be. Not just a father, but what a man should be. That means to my sons, I need to be an example to them of how they work, how they interact with people, how they treat their wife, how they treat each other. All aspects of their life, I need to teach them how to be a good man. But if I had daughters, and those that you, of you who have daughters, you're, as a father, you're teaching your daughter what a good man looks like. And so that when they go out into the world to have a relationship, they know the difference. And I think that's the issue that these women that Jen's working with, who have these terrible experiences with men, because they haven't had a father in the home that demonstrated what a good man is they don't know what to look for and they end up with the worst version of what a man is so as a father i'm to demonstrate to my daughter if i was to have a daughter what a good man is what a man how a man ought to treat a woman and i think that's i don't know which one which is more important to to show that to my sons or to show that to my daughters, right? Both are critical. I don't want my sons to be jerks to their, to their wives and their daughters or their, their children. But as a father to a daughter, she should have some expectations of what a man is like. And she shouldn't need to deal with abuse and, and poor treatment from a man, right? The man ought to treat her. The Bible tell, tells us as husbands yeah. to treat our wives as the weaker vessel. And I think I've said before, not maybe you weren't all here, but that doesn't mean belittling her. That means I treat her as a fragile thing that I need to take care of. I'm putting extra care into my wife to make sure that she is properly cared for and protected. That's the weaker vessel. I put, we in our fine china, we don't have such a thing, but the crystal glasses and, and the fine china and all of the niceties that are fragile, people have a tendency to put extra care into making sure those things last to pass on to their children and their grandchildren. We treat those, they're the weaker vessels, right? And we use extra caution when we're washing, when we're eating off of them and handling these things so that they're not damaged. And that's what a man is supposed to treat his wife like, as this precious thing that I want to preserve. So we need to teach our children, our boys, to treat their wives like that. And we need to teach our daughters that that's how they ought to be treated and not to accept anything less than that. That's the first step in fatherhood. And that's the importance of fatherhood is we have this responsibility to train our children. And you can look at... Um, I'm all over the place on my notes here. but Proverbs 22.6 tells us to train up our children in the way that they should go. That's our instruction as fathers is to to train our children. And part of that is a work ethic. Part of that is just behavioral stuff. And part of that is just... How to be a man, or what to expect of a man, right? That's an aspect of that. So that's part of our job as fathers. The second second thing as fathers, if you want to just turn um, to Deuteronomy chapter 6 with me. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Um, I'm just going to look at verse 6 and 7. It says, And these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And... And it continues with this, um, speaking of, this is just speaking of God's law that he had just given, all the instruction he had just given to the people of Israel. And he's just speaking of that, and it just goes on with how we're to have this presented in our homes and and in our lives, and just always in our mind is the law of God, these instructions that God has given. But verse 6 and 7 Verse seven in particular, thou shalt teach them diligently, thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Like whenever we're around our kids, we should be speaking of who God is, what he has for us, what the instructions that he's given to us, and how We ought to form our lives around his word. There's, it's just, it should be day in, day out. Whenever, whenever there's opportunity, whenever we're around each other, when we sit down to a meal, we should be talking about the Lord. When we get up in the morning, we should be talking about the Lord. When we sit down for a break in the evening, we should be talking about the Lord. Discussing his word. That's, that's our job as a father. And that's our most critical job as a father. I remember, I guess it was probably three years ago, my dad was, was visiting here. And I have no idea who it was that asked him. But I was standing there and somebody in the church asked him something about how he raised me to be who I am basically, because I'm running the Bible camp and I was just starting to pastor the church or was in that role in some effect. And they asked him, how did you get this guy to be that? And I, more than the question, I remember my dad's answer was, no idea, I think it was probably his mother.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't say anything. And I've spoken about my mother. My mom definitely had a spiritual impact on me. She she guided me very much spiritually. But I look back at my father, and every morning, and we have the daily bread devotionals there. Every morning he was sitting in his chair, and my my memory is in a certain house. So there's the big picture window in the front and this rocking chair there, and every morning he's sitting in that chair, reading the daily bread, and doing the Bible reading that goes with it to read through his Bible in the year. Every day, I remember seeing my dad doing that. My dad was a deacon in our church when I was young. The, the, the church that I still consider my home church is in Alberta. I was 10 years old when I left, but that's still my home church. Um, he was a deacon in the church. He my dad cannot carry a tune in a bucket, and like totally tone deaf. And I'm certain I can remember him standing up and leading the worship service. Just being willing to stand up and be a leader in the church. And he was that, he was that man. Our church started an Awana program, and my dad headed up that Awana program. He ran that youth program. At various times, as I was growing up and we moved around a bit, my parents were the youth leaders in our church. If there wasn't already a youth group going, they started one. My dad did that. And this one instance kind of stands out in my mind. I remember I would have been in high school or close to. Um, my oldest brother is five years older than me. And he always had a bit of an attitude. And he got this attitude that he didn't want to go to church anymore, and he got away with that. And I guess one Sunday I thought I could get away with it too. And my dad had a, a stick yay big, yay wide, yay thick. It didn't get used much anymore at that point, but it was still in existence. It was split down lengthwise and nailed back together. When I tr- decided I wasn't going to church that Sunday, pretty sure I went to church that Sunday. <laughs> that stick came out and it was used. My dad wasn't abusive, but he knew to discipline his children when they needed discipline. That stands out in my mind. And I love my father for that. That was a hard to accept at the time, of course, but but it put the importance of that. God comes first. doesn't matter what you feel like doing today. God comes first. So they ask what my father's impact on my life is. It's as much him as anything that pointed me to have a love for the Lord and to want to serve in our church. Sorry. Amen. My dad doesn't communicate a lot. We, can go, we go months Without speaking, (laughs) it's it's, (sighs) sorry. Um, there was a an interview on CBC yesterday. Jen brought it up this morning. I was like, it's already in my notes. So there's some guy that has some. I don't know if it's a YouTube or I don't know whatever some channel. It's a video thing, and this guy, what's it called? You, You named it this morning dinner with dad, something like that. And so this guy, who is not a father, sits down in front of his camera and has conversations with a make-believe child, <laughs> which is whoever happens to be watching. And sometimes it, it'll be, he'll be sitting down to dinner and he'll have two plates of food, and he sits the one plate down mm-hmm. as if he's giving it to, to you that's sitting on the other end of that camera watching. And he has these... Great conversations and these very inspirational conversations with this make-believe child, and he's got over two million subscribers that watch him do this. And they were talking about graduation, and you know how he's encouraging his his child. It's not even a child; it's just like he's just talking to a camera. But he's encouraging the child as they're graduating, trying to encourage them, you know, in their future and and all the hopes and dreams and all the stuff. And there was a discussion of. The comments that he gets is that people comment, it's like, oh, I wish you were my father, or I wish my father was more like you, and I, I, I wish I had a father like you, and that's all well and good, and these are good things. But you know, he's not a father. <laughs> he's a guy who is envisioning what he wished his father was, and he's just sitting down in front of a camera, for a few minutes at a time and creating this image of a father that is not reality at all. In real life, fathers, they go to work, they've got stress at work, they've got stress in life, they've got financial problems, they have relationship with their wife and with their children, and problems in life and reality of life makes us less than perfect people in our interactions with each other. And when we, you know, if we're looking at this guy who sits in front of a camera with a script, planned out how a good father ought to be and what a good father should say to their children, he's got none of the emotional attachment to the situation. He's got none of the stresses of life and all the background stuff and the struggles, the discipline issues that need to be dealt with with these kids. he has got none of that. It's just this make-believe world where I can speak these wonderful things where I don't see the flaws of the the kid on the other side and all the, the things that I've struggled with trying to get them to do. And yet, these people look to him as an ideal father. We need to be careful not to diminish our actual fathers if you had a father in your home be thankful for that we're, we're imperfect but we're dealing with a lot more than just a camera <laughs> there's a lot of things going on in life and we make mistakes and we're not perfect I look at my dad, my dad's not perfect by any stretch as far as our relationship it's weak <laughs> but He's been a good father, he's provided and guided and been an example of a man who loved his wife. Um, my mom was sick, I don't know if I can even say this, guys, this is gonna be hard. <laughs> um, my mom was sick with cancer and she had breast cancer when she had her breast removed and went through radiation treatment. She had, and we don't, no, nope, The doctors were never clear on what it was. But basically, her skin just never healed, um, whether it was radiation burns or cancer that redeveloped. But she couldn't stand the touch of the fabric of her clothes touching her skin in those areas. Um, My dad formed this wire thing that would touch her in the places where it could touch her, and it held the clothes off of her where it hurt her. Um, my dad took so much care of my mother, taking her to treatments and just, just daily. The, the struggles that my mom went through for, for many years, well, not many, five, five years, 10 years. I don't remember exactly, but it was long enough, right? Before she passed away. But just looking at the way my dad took care of her, the patience that he had, And the the detail that went into everything he did, like he he was still going to work and he would be coming home and cooking meals and doing cleaning and just taking care of everything because my mom couldn't and he took care of her in all of that. What an example. He didn't have to say a word to me. He just did the things that should be done and was the example that how I ought to treat my wife. Especially when it comes to a time like that where she needs that kind of help, right? I'm surprised my dad's alive today. (laughs) Um, You hear lots of times where couples that are really close, when one dies, the other one seems to die shortly after. Shortly after my mom passed away, my dad had a stroke and (sighs) I don't know how or when, but he managed to eventually get to a phone to call for nine one one, and they treated him or they came and got him and took <clears throat> him and he started taking care of himself, <laughs> started walking and eating right and just, he hasn't had a, a health problem from that, this has been 15 years now since he had that stroke. He hasn't had a health problem since because he's taken such good care of himself. He walks like miles every day. And you just look at that and am like, I feel like he was at the point that he almost gave up and almost died. And something struck him that it wasn't his time. And it just lit a fire in him and he did what he needed to do to carry on living. My dad, an example in many other ways, and I think of my dad. Um, it's, just a, it's not intended to be about my dad, but he's a good example. My dad helps whoever needs help. Um, even my dad's 70, was he 79 years old? Though I think I'm pretty sure he's still shoveling the neighbor's driveway, <laughs> it certainly was a couple years ago. Shovels his own driveway by hand, of course. And if there's snow, it's he doesn't stop working until the snow is gone. <laughs> so if it keeps snowing, he'll keep shoveling until <laughs> there is none left. And he just does it. He just works hard. But more to the point is, he's doing it. He'll do his own, but he'll carry on and he'll do it for somebody else. I remember, in particular, um, when I was young again, before I was 10 years old, before he moved away from from our place in uh, Alberta. It was an old man, Mr. Oaks, and as a, as a young kid, and I picture my kids when we do this, um, my dad would go and help and trim the, trim the hedges, mow the lawn and just do, do odd jobs around the guy's place. And then they'd go in and sit and visit. And as a young kid, I'm sitting there, <laughs> bored out of my mind <laughs> as my dad's visiting this old man. I've become that with the older lady up the road. Um, she got the kids just to, to move along, but I, I end up going there on a regular basis, and I go in and I have coffee with her, and, and I think of my dad. I was like, this is exactly what my dad used to do. And that passed off onto me the need to to help people when they need help. So these are just examples, and it's just what a dad ought to be is an example to his children and to guide them in things like that of how we ought to live our lives. I'll I'll finish with this verse, 1 Corinthians 16. Corinthians 16 um, verse 13 just an instruction to the church but it says watch ye and I I don't know what other versions say I I didn't look but watch ye stand fast in the faith quit you like men be strong and the Statement, quit you like men. It's not about quitting the way we talk about quitting today. To quit you like men. um, I just looked up the, the old definition of to quit. It's to carry through, to do or perform something to the end, so nothing remains. To discharge or perform completely. Quit you like men. Finish what you say you're going to finish. <laughs> do what you say you're going to do. That's the instruction. is, And that's a job as a father. Is to, if it's a son, to raise him to be a man that keeps his word, that does the things that he says he's going to do to do the work, to work hard. To be a man. To know what it is to be a man. And to, if it's a daughter, to teach our daughter, oh, we can, of course to raise our daughters, but But your role as a man is to show our daughters what a man is like, so that they know what to look for when they're growing up, getting ready to get married. You know, we don't all have good fathers in this life. We don't all have that perfect role model to look to. And fathers are, like I said, they're just sinful people with our own faults and flaws and problems. But it's important to have a father. It's important if you can provide a father for your children, recognize the need for that. And if you didn't have one, don't use it as an excuse. (laughs) Um, when Jesus is talking with Nicodemus he says you must be born again you know what that means we get a new father (laughs) when you come to God you get a new father when you're born again and you have that new father is a perfect father and we can look to him we can trust him look to his example and we know through God's example, what a man ought to be. He is that perfect father. And so if you come to him, receive Christ as your savior, trust, put your faith in the work of Christ on the cross. You have a new father. You have that perfect father. You don't need to look to your faulty, earthly father. Don't complain about that guy. (laughs) Look to the heavenly father as your example, if that's the father that you need to look to. Lord God, you are our Heavenly Father, and Lord, we're thankful for your perfection. Um, Lord, we see every example in Scripture of men as fathers are full of flaws and problems and faults, and we fail our family, we fail our, our wives, we fail our children in many ways. Um, we do many foolish things, Lord, but Lord, we just ask that you would guide us, help us to have a desire to be a father that follows your example. But Lord, let us look to you as the ultimate example of fatherhood. So Lord, we just thank you again for the time together. Um, thank you for your word and for being that good father. In Jesus' name.